Matthew chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. And I'm going to, I'll just read it to you. Um, This is about judging. And have you ever been confused about judging? Like, are you supposed to judge or are you not supposed to judge? Okay, that's what I thought too. We're flat out not supposed to judge. But scripture says judge rightly, right? And so I'm going, well, we're not supposed to judge, but we're supposed to judge rightly. We live in a world where we're told as Christians that we're, we're not accepting, that we're narrow-minded, that we're unreasonable and out of touch with the world. So we try not to be judgmental. We try to be accepting, open-minded. And we try to be reasonable in touch with the world that we're living in. And yet, the, wor- the word tells us this, that when you judge, judge rightly. And so I don't know about you, sometimes I'm confused. Am I not supposed to judge or am I supposed to judge rightly? What am I supposed to do? And so I, wa- I want to go over 12 sections of scripture, so we're going to move pretty quickly. And... This is what I want you to do. I want you to come away from this saying, I know why I think what I think and why I, when I make a judgment, it's why it is the way it is, okay? Have you ever uh, seen them at a dog show where they're going to judge all the dogs? And they're going to judge all the dogs and they judge them all in the same breed. And then they judge the best of all breeds. And I'm like, how is that fair? You know, you got a dog that's this tall and a dog's that this tall and you're going to judge who's the best of breed? How do you do that? You know, I mean, they're, they're not, they don't even look like they belong together. And so how do they do that? Uh, they have criteria and they check off, the judges have criteria and it's, they check them off and they decide Who's the best, right? Um, my wife and I watch The Voice. And on The Voice, they have now uh, two people are singing against each other. Then they judge who's the best. And one goes home and one stays. Me, I don't know a thing about music. So when they're singing, I just go like this. Oh, I like that guy. You know, I don't know why I like him. It's just it sounded better to me. And since I'm... I have a hearing loss, that doesn't mean a lot uh, because I don't hear all that well. So, so my judging in music would not be a good thing. Um, but we all are asked to make judgments, aren't we? The Supreme Court just made a big judgment, a big decision. This is what they decided. A man was committed was um, found guilty of murder in Missouri 22 years ago. He went in and he um, attacked his girlfriend's boyfriend. And he attacks him and kills him. And then he rapes the girlfriend. 
And so he gets arrested and then he escapes from uh, jail and then he goes and beats his, his what should be his mother-in-law if he had ever married her. Uh, he beats his mother-in-law with a hammer and then they catch him again and they put him in jail. But then they held him for 22 years. Now the Supreme Court just decided five to four that that man's life needed to end. But I'm thinking our best Supreme Court judges in all, the, in all of our country decide five to four after the man did all that, that yeah, he no longer needs to live and it's 22 years later. And I was like, even our best guys can't really decide. It took them 22 years to come to that decision. And so if you're looking around in our world and you see things like this, that now for babies, they no longer want to put boy and girl on the babies because they think it's judgmental to decide that. And you're going, is that really that stupid? Are we that dumb? That I mean, but that's what they're now saying. And so for us as Christians, we better be able to decide what's right and wrong because the world is going like this. Are you noticing that? The world is changing. It has changed. From when I was a kid growing up, uh, we call, the boys we knew were boys and the girls we knew were girls. Now at the California State Tournament, I used to coach track, they had a boy who won the discus event for the girls. And I don't know if you saw the other one, but in Connecticut, there was a girl who finished second in cross country, and she said she trained hard for four years. The, one, the person who beat her was a, was a guy. And that was on the news. And so I was thinking, like, what's going to happen in the Olympics? Are they going to be able to say who's a guy and who's a girl? Or are we that confused as people that we don't really know right from wrong? And as Christians, are we afraid to stand up and say, no, this is not right because people will call us judgmental or will call us something else? And so here's the thing that I want to do today with us. What's our criteria for judging? If we are told to judge, what's the criteria for that? Yeah, yeah, I hope it better be. It better be scripture. And it better be God's word, right? Because God's word is the one thing we can trust on that doesn't move, doesn't change, and is never going to change. God is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, and he is not going to change, right? So look, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, 1 through 5, and I'll read it to you. It says this, Do not judge lest you be judged yourselves. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by the standard of measure, it shall be measured unto you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly enough to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So in each one of these, what I want you to do is listen for the key verse and then what is the Christ-centered criteria for judging, okay? So as you read that, 
what do you think is the key verse? Out of those five verses, look at them. Somebody tell me, what do you think is the key verse in that passage? Yeah. Huh? Verse 2. Okay. For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard measured, it shall be measured to you. Okay, that's pretty important, right? Because this is what it's talking about. What if I was sitting in church? Whenever we do offerings, I always put my head down and just pray because I don't want to see who's giving and who's not. And let's say you were sitting in the back of the church so you can see everybody. And every week you look and you notice that, man, this one person, he, he's not tithing at all, not giving at all. And so you think, hmm, this guy doesn't give at all. And, you know, I wonder why. And so you could judge that and say, man, that guy's not giving. He should be giving. He should be tithing. But what you don't know is that guy goes home and then he gives because Jesse lets us give by, you can do it by computer or on their phone by computer and maybe that guy's giving five times as much as you and yet your standard of measure is that guy should be tithing and and he's giving five times more than you you just never see him give it because he goes home and gives it right and so do you think that that's why this is saying be careful of the standard of measure that you judge people because you have no idea what what they've gone through right there is a story about this lady she was in France she was French it was during World War II and all these guys these military guys were sitting outside of this cafe and she's thinking that they should be out fighting and so she walks up to this guy and gives him uh, some I forget a red rose or something that meant he was a coward uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it was a white feather, Susie. I don't, you're the good one with the details. Um, and so, yeah, but she gave him something that meant he was a coward. And then when he got up to go talk to her, he had to get up and hop to her because he had lost his leg. So she's judging him, but her judgment is partial, right? And so when the Lord says to us this, don't judge one another, he's saying that to us because judgment will be up to him it says in scripture and he has the whole picture you and i we only have a very small part of the picture and so uh it's it's telling us to be very careful of how we judge people because that standard of measure that we judge by could be used on us and so we need to be very careful about that Anybody else see a verse in there? Just because one person sees one verse doesn't mean that the rest of us can't see another verse. Anybody see another verse in there? Mike? Yeah. Yeah. So it's saying take this. You got to take the log out of your own eye before you see clearly enough to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So here's the Christian criteria for judgment there. First, look at yourself and really take yourself to the Lord on that issue before you decide to judge somebody else on that issue. And let the Lord speak to you about it before you ever go talk to them about it. 
Now, is there a place that's right where we need to go talk to our brothers and sisters if they're stumbling? Yes, there is. But it's, it's not saying don't do that. It's saying before you do it, first see your own eye and make sure that what you're seeing, you're seeing accurately. Because have you ever seen something and you see it one way? I was going to show you this picture up here, but I decided not to. It's a picture of a ballerina spinning. Have you ever seen that one online? If I showed it to you, half of you would say she was spinning one way, and the other half of you would say she was spinning the other way. Even though she's only spinning one way. But you would see it, you wouldn't see it the same. Have you ever heard of people who they see an accident, and when they tell their side of it, and somebody else tells their side of it, it's like, you're like, did you guys, were you guys at the same place, right? And yet they're telling supposedly the same story. So that was the first one. Okay, now I want you to turn to, um, turn to Proverbs and turn to Proverbs 31.9. And it says this. Open your mouth, judge righteously. And defend the rights of the afflicted, uh, the afflicted and the needy. So open your mouth, judge righteously, and defend the rights of the afflicted and needy. Now, this is a mother's counsel to a king. That's where this is coming from. It's the mother giving counsel to a king. And she's telling the king, when you judge, make sure that you judge righteously. How do, you, how do you judge something righteously? Somebody tell me, how do you judge something righteously? Is our judgment righteous? Probably not. Because we have a side, don't we? We have a point of view. And our point of view is affected by the world that we live in and by what's happened uh, to us, right? So how do you judge righteously? Somebody already said it. Yes, Steve. Yeah, we, we look at it and we take the word and we look at it with what the word says. And then we says, is this right or is this wrong? When I was a very young believer, our pastor said, Mick, I want you to come with me. I'm going to talk to this guy and I want you to be there. And I was like, well, Ralph, what are you going to talk to him about? And he said, you just come with me and you'll see. And I was like, I had a feeling it wasn't going to be good. And so, Ralph, our church, Hope Chapel, was a church of grace. Ralph was full of grace. And so, but I was a little concerned about what was going to happen. So we went to this man's place of work where he was working. Ralph went in and said, asked him if he could meet with us privately. Ralph had talked to him the day before, and he said he could. We went in and talked to him, and Ralph confronted him. Confronted him. He said, you know, I know you're having an affair. This guy was an elder on the church board. And Ralph said to him, I know you're having an affair. You need to, you need to stop your affair. You're no longer uh, going to be on the board of elders. And if you don't change the way that you're living, you're no longer welcome at church. And I was a young believer, and this had a huge impact on me. Because I was like sitting there going, whoa, I wonder why am I here? 
You know, why am I here? And Ralph took me outside and he said, look, you were there because it says in the Bible, if you have something against your brother, go and talk to him. If he doesn't receive it, take another brother and go and talk to him. And then if he doesn't receive it, take him before the whole church. And Ralph had already talked to him on his own. And so then he took me because I was very involved in the church. And he took me, but he was also trying to instruct me. That's what he was trying to do. He never got mad at the guy. He was saying, we miss you. We miss your heart. But with what's going on in your life, you need to change it. If you change it, automatically you're welcome right back in. Not in leadership, but you're welcome right back into the church. And, and I was thinking, honestly, when I walked out of there, I, I, what I was thinking was, whoa, man. Uh, I was a young believer, and I was like, ooh, that was pretty harsh. And so then Ralph was talking to me, and I said, Ralph, but when we go out surfing, you know of another guy at church who's um, just become a Christian, and he's living with his girlfriend, and you know that. And he says, yeah, you're right. I do know it. But the Lord is working in, in his life. And, and I've been praying for him, and I know that that guy is walking nearer and nearer to the Lord. And he will, do, he will change the way he's living. And he's not in leadership. And he said, but he's just come to know the Lord, and the Lord will work that out of his life. And sure enough, what Ralph said happened. That guy ended up telling his girlfriend, I can't live with you anymore. And that guy became just a really powerful believer for Christ. Now, the other man never, as far as I know, never came back to the Lord. He made a choice, but, but Ralph made a, did Ralph make a judgment on him? He did. But it was a righteous judgment. And sometimes when we're looking at the word, we have to decide, do we really believe this book? I mean, that, be, that becomes, Steve, the critical point. Do we believe this? And are we going to follow this? Because let me tell you, the world that we're going, that we're living in, is going way far away from this book. And for us, do you think that you're going to live in this world? And I know this is kind of a heavy, heavy message. Um, but do you think that you will live in this world and not be affected by the world's decisions that the world is making? Because the world is making decisions like this. You heard about in Georgia that they are, came up with a thing where they're going to stop late-term abortion, right? And did you hear Hollywood's response to that? Hollywood's response to that was, we are no longer going to make movies in Atlanta. We are no longer coming to Georgia. As long, if, if the governor signs that, Hollywood is out of, out of Georgia. And they're saying, we're out of it. And so what's, what's happening in our world is, you may not recognize this, but Hollywood is to some degree trying to control you guys. Do you realize that? There's a movie coming out right now, Unplanned. Anybody familiar with that? Unplanned, okay. Unplanned uh, tried to advertise in all the cable companies in the United States. Only two companies would allow them to advertise. 
CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, and Fox. And the rest of them would not take their money and advertise unplanned. They would not take their money and would not let them advertise. Do you ever watch the 700 Club? When you watch the 700 Club, at the end of it, do you know what comes on? Welcome back to freedom. And you're like, welcome back to freedom. Wow, where's that coming from? I mean, they let them use that channel, but at the end, they pretty much say, we didn't support that. And so in Unplanned, you know what that movie got rated? Got rated R. Do you know why it got rated R? How, how do you get an R rating? You have to have extreme violence or you have to have extreme nudity. Either one. And they have to be on the extreme side. So Hollywood will say this. Abortion is not violent. It's not murder. But they just rated unplanned as extremely violent. And you're going, you can't have it both ways. You know, it's either one way or the other. So you have to, if you're not recognizing that the world that we're living in is becoming more and more against Christ, then I encourage you to do this. Uh, there's, a, there's a show every day called The Briefing by Albert Moeller. And it's a podcast, and you ought to take it and listen to it um, because he's a very bright guy. And it's only 20 minutes long. It's called The Briefing. And it's a Christian perspective on the news. Um, and, you know, the movie Unplanned, would it be hard to go watch that movie? Oh, yeah, I guess it will. Uh, because this is, you guys know what happened in that movie, right? The lady who worked for family, um, yeah, what is it? Yeah, family planning. Oh, Planned Parenthood, yeah. The lady who works for Planned Parenthood, she was worker of the year for them. And she was working in the front office and she was asked to go work in the back, back office because they were short of people. They told her that abortion was not violent and then she had to do the sonogram while they were doing the abortion. And she saw the baby's response. And after that, she said, I can't do this. I'm not doing this anymore. And so the movie is about what happened to her. And, and listen, um, for all of us, my goal for us looking at scripture is simply this. For us to be able to go, what's the criteria that we decide that we talk to each other on? Because if I ask some of you in here, do you guys know, I, I disagree with Billy Graham. Um, Billy Graham, I love Billy Graham. I love Billy Graham. He's the dearest brother. Billy Graham got interviewed and they asked him about abortion and he said, I'm against it. I'm totally on his side. And then he said, except for in the case of rape or the mother being in danger. And me personally, I don't quite agree with that. And, but it's okay that I don't agree with it because if I sat down with Billy Graham, I would just say, Billy, what's your criteria for that? And I would listen to him about what he says in the Bible and why he believes what he believes. 
And then I hope he would say to me, but Mick, what's your criteria? And I would tell him, well, all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And even if it's rape, God, you can use that for a blessing. And that's what I believe. And, but I don't have to agree with everything Billy Graham says to say that man was an incredible, godly man. And I love him. And we were blessed to have him. Um, but we need to be able to talk to each other and understand the criteria that's in Scripture and the reason why we believe what we believe. Because here's what's happening. The struggle isn't that the body of Christ is being divided. The struggle is that the body of Christ is being divided among itself. That believers among themselves can't talk to each other because they disagree. Well, I disagree with my wife half the time. Um, and most of the time, she's right. Um, and so listen, we have to be able to disagree and live with each other, don't we? And as Christians, we have to be able to talk to each other about why we think what we think without dividing ourselves because this is what happens in marriage in christian marriages they're being blown apart because the mom and dad can't agree on how to discipline the kids and we've got to be able to talk to each other about what we believe but it's got to be based on this and we have to listen to each other when we talk to each other we can't just want someone to hear what we say but we don't listen to what they say right and what's happening in the Christian church is so sad. I was, I was looking for something. I was doing a studying for my Wednesday night Bible study. And up on the site I'm looking on pops this thing. And it has something about John MacArthur speaking something against another pastor. And that's what they were advertising. And I was like, why? What's the point of that? To say, I'm right and you're wrong. To say, my way is the best way and you don't know what you're talking about. Um, that's, when we do that, then the world is right to judge us. Um, but if we, if we as believers can talk to each other, share our differences and truly listen to one another, then we can, we can say we've got something. Something that the world needs. Right? Okay, so the next passage is... Hmm. This is, look in your Bibles to Luke chapter 12. And this is verses 54 through 57. This is what it says. Yeah, this is Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 54 through 57. This is Jesus talking, and he was saying, and he, and he was also saying to the multitudes, and when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it turns out. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say, it will be a hot day, and it turns out that way. You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not analyze this present time? And why do you not even on your own initiate, initiate, judge, and judge what is right? 
he's saying to them, why, who is he talking to here, guys? Who is he talking to? He was talking to the Pharisees, wasn't he? And he was talking to these guys, and he's going, you know how to say what's going to happen today with the weather, but I'm here with you, and you don't even know what's happening. And I mean, that was huge for them. They had been looking for the Messiah. The Messiah is among them, and they can't see it. Now, that wouldn't happen to us, would it? <laughs> um, here's what happens. Sometimes we, are we busy sometimes? Do you ever get so busy that you miss something very important that just happened? Something really critical just happened. You should have seen it, but you didn't because you were so busy. Well, the Pharisees were so busy being right. They were so busy being right and telling other people how to live that they couldn't even see that the one that they were looking for was standing with them. Um, I was, I'm reading a book right now uh, that's a pretty good, it's a great book. Doug gave it to me after the last time I spoke. It's about a guy who goes to Somaliland and he goes there to try to minister to these people and most of them are Muslim. And when they look at you, if you're, Muslim, if you're just a, a white honky coming into their country, they're going to look at you and go, you're an infidel. Do you guys know that, right? Muslim people will look at us and go, you're an infidel. And what do they think infidels are good for? Just get rid of them, right? And so he's going in to do ministry there, and he's trying to minister to the Muslims. And so these people are so poor that they don't have any food. They don't have a home. And it's, it's hot there. It's very tropical there. It's really hot. A lot of them don't have any water. And people are dying like flies. This one guy described going down the street, seeing a, a, a mother sitting there breastfeeding a baby. And he walked down the street. And by the time he walked back, he noticed that the mother sitting there breastfeeding the baby wasn't moving. So he went over to try to wake her, and she had died while she was breastfeeding her baby because there was not enough water and there was not enough food. And they were trying to minister to people, and they were giving them food and water and all those things, but he said he missed something. He was so busy doing that. There was so much to do that he missed what he should have been doing. He said those people just wanted to sit there and tell them their story. That's what they wanted to do. They wanted to sit, sit there and tell him, have someone listen to them just to tell them their story. And he said, I was so busy giving people water and food, I didn't take the time to do that. Have you ever tried to help someone and right in the middle of it, you noticed that the most important thing that you were trying to do, you weren't doing? Have you ever done that? Well, this is what happened to me. I went to Westport. I had a friend called me. He's uh, in a wheelchair. He's a paraplegic. And he called me and said, uh, you know, I'm having suicidal thoughts. I'm think I've been thinking about killing myself. My house is a mess. Everything's a mess. 
none of my family will come and visit me and, and the church has deserted me. And so, and I've known him for 30 years. So I said, I'll fly there, I'll, I'll come and help you. So I got on an airplane, I flew to Westport, Washington and I, and I went to his house. On his way there, he just warned me. He said, Mick, when we get to my house, just know that you might have to sleep on top of my stove. And I was like, sleep on your stove? I go, you look at the size of me? I don't think I'm going to fit on a stove. And, and he's going, well, it's the only place you'll fit. And so when we got to his house, he had boxes from the bottom up, every place except for where he rolled his wheelchair into the kitchen and his bed. In his shower, every other place, there were boxes all the way to the top. For the next day, for the next eight hours, I stood up in his house and sorted through plastic bottles and stuff that he was saving. And he had me put them from one box into another box and then store that box. And I went there with the idea that I was going to help him, right? So how do you think I'm doing after 10 hours standing in his house there's no place to sit down you can't sit down there's no place and so I stood there for 10 hours sorting through stuff putting it from one box into another box and then putting it back how do you think I'm doing so far I'm not doing well okay because I'm not like that I'm like I'm gonna he's got a problem I'm gonna go fix it and then we're gonna fix it and then we're gonna go fishing right uh, well no we're not um, and so after three days of standing in his house sorting through literally plastic bottles that he had gone to the laundromat to get to save because it could be used for something and he and he has them all over his house to the top I mean eight foot ceilings to the top and after three days of that I'm starting to get frustrated and so him and I get in a little argument because he's saying this to me. I'm putting, I started taking boxes out to his, truck, his van saying, we're taking this to the dump. And so he was saying, oh, no, we're not taking my good stuff to the dump. And I was like, oh, whoa. And so we had a little argument. And I, I said, hey, I got to leave. I'm just going to go over to, I had to rent a place close to him to stay in. And I went over there, and I just had a prayer time. And what do you think the Lord was speaking to me about? You're not here to fix him. You're here to love him. And he needs relationship. And he needs love. And you're not here to judge him either. Because I was judging him going like this. What a pack rat. Man, alive. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, I like to fish, but he had about 250 fishing rods in his house. And, and he had all the reels to go with him and all the fishing to gear. To go, but we were too busy going through his junk to go fishing, which really ticked me off. So um, my motive maybe not wasn't the best motive, right? And the Lord sp started speaking to me saying, you are judging him. And it actually isn't helping. So I had to go back, have a prayer time, let the Lord help me with my criteria what is your criteria to love people, to care for people? 
as you've done it to the least of these, my children, you've done it as unto me. And Mark had said to me, I thought you were coming here just to be with me. And, and I, I was, but I kind of lost track of that once I walked into his house. So sometimes what happens, we get too busy doing what is our agenda to see what the truth is, don't we? And sometimes we do that with one another, don't we? I've started saying this to myself. It's more important to be rightly related than to be right. It's more important to be rightly related than right. If you said, were you right in trying to clean up Mark's house? Well, yeah, but was my heart right? Well, no. Um, So anyway, uh, in this one, when he says judge, judge rightly, judge according to the word and what the word says and not what your agenda is. Because I tend to have agendas, like I'm going to fix it. You know, I'm a fixer. I'm going to go in and fix it. I had to do something, so I went out. His fence was broken down, so I fixed his fence. And then I fixed his boat. He had a beautiful drift boat, and it had weeds growing in it with a bunch of dirt, so I cleaned his boat. So I did do some cleaning because I had to do that for me because that was just kind of my agenda. But I also then started spending just time with him. We went to the beach. We did some things where we just hung out. So now turn your Bibles to John chapter uh, 7, verses 23 through 26. And it says this. This is John 7, verses 23 through 26. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath, that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because I made an entire man well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to the appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So here again, we're told, told to judge with righteous judgment, but what are, are we also told here to do? How are we supposed to judge? Not by appearance, yeah. And I don't know about you, but appearance is what I see. And so sometimes that's how I judge. And, and that's not the right way to judge. Why do we judge people's, do we judge people based on appearance? Do you think we do? Mm. Why do we do that? Is that the right thing to do? No. Susan and I used to work with a group called a campar, and, and we had a lot of kids who were spina bifida. And they were totally paralyzed. Arms, legs couldn't move them. And if you judged, I started looking into kids' eyes. And I started connecting with people through their eyes, not through what I saw. Because they couldn't talk, a lot of the kids. They were paralyzed and they couldn't move. So now turn to Romans uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 6. And this is a little longer passage. It says this, Therefore, you are without excuse. Every, every man of you who passes judgment, for in that you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you judge, for you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. 
And, and do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment upon those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or, or do you think lightly of the, of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience and knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will re render to every man according to his deeds. Um, the last verse, verse six says, who, who will render to every man according to his deeds? Have you thought about this? Will God render to you according to your deeds? Is that what it's saying? That he will render to you according to your deeds? What about the verse in... Um, Galatians, or maybe it's Ephesians, that says, um, you, are not, you are saved by grace that no man would boast. Aren't we saved by grace? Yes, we are. So what is this talking about? Will God judge our deeds? Is he going to do that? Okay, he, is gonna, he will judge us like this. We're not going to be judged as believers for salvation, are we? No, that's settled. That's totally settled. He's going to judge you as a Christian. It says in, this, in Scripture, you will be, some people will be judged as through fire. Some people will get to heaven as through fire. You know what that's talking about? Like by the skin of your teeth, right? You, can you think of someone in the Bible who's like that? That guy on the cross was like that, Right? He got to heaven, and Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise, but by the skin of his teeth. I mean, he barely made it in. So you're going to be judged for this. As Christians, we're going to be judged for how is God going to reward you? How is he going to reward you? Did you give him anything to reward you with? And scripture talks about jewels that will go into your crown. And in scripture, it says this, he who keeps the least letter stroke of the law and so teaches others will be called great in the kingdom of heaven but whoever changes the least letter or stroke of the law and so teaches others will be called least in the kingdom of heaven notice that there's a least and a, and a great and so you and i we're going to be judged like how did you spend your time did you spend it on eternity or did you spend it on getting the world's goods? And was that what you gave me? I always think of it like this. Josh is a builder. Josh, what if I told you, I want you to build me a house, 4,000 square foot house, but I only have $100,000. <laughs> Why is that? Why? He's saying, I can't give him enough materials to build that house. Right, Josh? I didn't give you enough income to build that house. What kind of income are you giving Christ to build your house? Is it eternal or is it temporary? Or what are we investing in? We are so lucky to have Pastor Rob. How many of you guys know? He's not here, so I can talk about him. How many of you guys know how lucky we are to have him? 
I was here on Friday. Do you know what he was doing? He was insulating and drywalling that wall in there that leaks so that when our kids go in there, so they have a nice, clean, dry place that's safe. He didn't just, I was helping him, and my house burned down, so I fixed it a few times. So as I've had two floods and a fire, so I've had to fix my house a few times. So I know what you do when you have a fire. I had this special paint I had to spray on every single stick inside my house. $50 a gallon. Ooh, that cost me some bucks but um, to do that. But Rob went in there with Clorox bleach and washed every wall before we put the insulation in. This is our pastor. Most pastors don't do that stuff. Do you know that? And so we are, we are if you don't like this message, don't worry. Pastor Rob will be here next week. Um, but listen, we are so lucky to have Rob. And uh, we need to pay, pray for him and Shannon and their kids. We need to pray protection on those guys all the time because we are blessed. That was just a little commercial in there. Um, but I, I want to say that because a lot of it, you know, the way that we, when we judge things, you don't even know how to judge sometimes what you have, right? Sometimes until we lose it, right? So now I'm going to take us to another section. This is Hebrews 4, and then I'm going to do the last one that my wife told me I have to do. And so I'm going to do that one. Okay, guys, turn to Hebrews chapter 4, just two verses. This is verses 12 and 13. This is what it says. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and, and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So in this one, look at that, that verse in verse 13 that says, and there's no creature hidden from his sight. Guys, there's nothing that we can do that he doesn't see. He knows when our kids are on their phone looking at the internet, he knows when they're doing that. He knows when, um, if we're paying our taxes, he knows if we're paying them the way we should or the way we shouldn't. Um, he sees everything that is, everything that goes on. He sees it all. And it says this, that the word of God, what does it do? It cuts right to the heart. The word of God is sharp and active like a two-edged sword and it gets right to the truth of the matter so whenever we're looking at things that we have to decide we need to use this and say this is this is what we need to use because this gets right to the heart of the issue have you ever had a problem where you didn't know what the real issue was when you're trying to solve something and you have a you're having a problem and you're trying to figure out what the real issue is, but all you're getting to is just all the little side issues. Um, when I used to teach in school, with, I, I would have a class full of kids, 
And some, one time they put me in this math class where I had 32 special ed students. And, and in that class, they put a whole bunch of kids who were emotionally disturbed. That's how they were labeled. And all of these kids, it was the last period of the day, and it was math. And I one time went to my principal and said, I would like you to come and teach my class, seventh period, for one day. Just come and teach it for one day. I just would like to see. And he was like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I was like, good choice, probably. But, but in that class, this is what I had to do. I had to find a way to get to the heart of the kids in that class. Because I knew this. I could not control 32 special ed kids with one aid. Um, it wasn't going to happen because I had boys in that class who just wanted to fight every day. Not me, but they wanted to fight each other. And so I had to find ways to get to the heart of their heart so that they would want to do what was right. And so when you need to get to somebody's heart, what do you think what do you think is the best way if you have to get to the heart of the issue? I didn't really know how to deal. I'd been teaching for 25 years when they gave me this class. And, and I had been able to deal with a lot of kids, but these guys were pushing my bubble a little bit. And so what I started doing is taking, taking each kid's, they have an individual education plan, and reading through it and praying over each kid. And saying, Lord, what is this kid's heart? How do I reach this kid? And one kid at a time, I won that class over. But it was just one kid at a time. Because I, I, I learned what was at the heart of each kid. And once I did that, so let me tell you what's at the heart of this message. This was from my wife, because uh, she's smarter than I am. And, and so this comes from... I want you to, there's only two verses, but listen to these two verses. So speak and so act. This is in James chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be merciless to the one who shows no mercy. Listen to the last, last part. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And here's, here's a key for all of us. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What does that mercy mean? What does mercy mean? Mercy, what is that? Louder. Okay, yeah, it's very similar to grace. Yeah, because that's grace. Not getting what you deserve. No, it's all right. <laughs> so mercy is is just it's just like grace it's something that someone who is greater gives to someone who deserves something right and so a lot of times in my class i realized this as a teacher i could lord it over them or i could become a servant to them and when i became a servant to them and I learned what touched them, what moved them. And then I tried to affect them in that way. Then that class would respond to me as a teacher. 
But if I use judgment over them with those 32, you want me to tell you what that would have turned into? A civil war with me in the middle of it, right? So guys, we need to remember this. No matter what, you guys are always called to make some judgments. You have to judge whether something is right or wrong every day. But let mercy triumph over your judgment. Always err on the side of mercy. If you're going to err, err on the side of mercy. Because that's what God did with us. And that is scriptural, right? He should not have had mercy on me, but he did. And so isn't it an awesome thing that he gives us good judgment? Do you know all we got to do is ask? It, It says in the book of James, that if anybody lacks wisdom, let him, let him ask of God who gives to all man without reproach. Gives all men generously without reproach. So if you lack wisdom, go to God, ask him for it, and he will give it to you. And then when you, when you have to judge, you will judge rightly. Because guys, we're going to have a lot coming at us that we're going to have to judge rightly. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this book and this word that you give us. It's this book that you wrote for us, Lord, that gives us wisdom. Lord, let us be like Solomon. Let us come to you and seek your wisdom. Lord, for the things that are coming upon us where we have to make a judgment, Lord, give us righteous judgment. Where, th- where there's things that come to us, Lord, where we're not sure, let us extend mercy and grace. And Lord, we pray this week as we go through our week that we will look at your criteria for making good decisions in the word and that we will be obedient to following your word. We thank you for it. In your name we pray, amen. You guys have a blessed week. May all your judgments.